This is Kristen Hedgecock. And I'm Ash Matson. You're listening to Apta Sophia, which means useful wisdom in the pursuit of biblical womanhood. Welcome to Apta Sophia. My name is Ash Matson. I'm here with my fellow host, Kristen Hedgecock. Hello. My equally <clears throat> able, equally partner host. Host partner. Host partner. I'm trying to think of better descriptor words. I am brain dead. Uh, yeah, equal in every way. Yeah. In ability, in intellect, in beauty. Well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellow hosts. <clears throat> Hi, guys. Welcome to After Sophia. How y'all doing? Uh, we are here with a new episode for you on the topic of meekness and what that looks like in our lives as wives and mothers and women. But before we get into the meat of the episode, we're going to do the most important thing we do in any episode, and that is our would you rather question. And our would you rather question for this episode is, would you rather live through a robot apocalypse or a zombie apocalypse? I'm so afraid of both of these. I want to know, which one do you think you would be more likely to survive? A Walking Dead episode or a Arnold, or a... Terminator. Terminator. Or an Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Just a bunch of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <clears throat> um, boy, that is a really... I think, I think I'd want to live in a zombie apocalypse. Okay. Um, I think... Zombies, <clears throat> they're easy to figure out. Like, they have one goal, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, and I've only watched, like, the first season of Walking Dead. So that's, like, my knowledge of zombies. So if it was like The Walking Dead, it's like they are undead and they want to eat you. And so I feel like that's a pretty <clears> – <throat> sorry, I have, I have allergies – and I feel sure, like Kristen. I know I say that every time and then it turns out to be COVID. That's only happened twice though. <laughs> and I just have COVID again. Me too. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah. I just think that with zombies, they're just, they're, they're undead. They want to eat your flesh and that it's a pretty straightforward, like how to defend yourself against them. Whereas like robot, apocalypse is like robots are really smart and they have that artificial intelligence that can come and attack you from all different angles and can use things like electronics in your house to like come against you and all this other kind of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily be able to know. I know I wouldn't be able to know. I can barely like log on to my Wi-Fi. Um, I wouldn't be able to know how to protect myself against. Like, it's less obvious Yeah, about how to do that. I feel you. So yeah. I think I would just zombie apocalypse it. And I agree with you. Yeah. I would, I would, <clears throat> I would not want to die in a zombie apocalypse because they kind of, like, eat you alive and rip yeah. you apart. Yeah. And you're like... At least from what I've seen in the movies, because this is all <laughs> because this is real. This is real. <laughs> Generally, when you're attacked by a zombie, you are alive uh-huh. while you're being eaten, which yeah. is just awful and horrifying. Yeah. Whereas I feel like a robot would be a little more efficient about taking me out if sure. it wanted to. I'm gonna go be with the Lord. Yeah. I'm cool. Real quick. Yeah. <laughs> True. Quick. They're a little bit quicker Make it quick. in there. But. 
I think I would be much more likely to survive a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. There's no way I'm outsmarting a robot. Yeah. Kristen and I just. (laughs) We failed the first test of robot apocalypse. (laughs) Should we tell the story? We should tell the story. So uh, our washer and dryer went out and Ryan was going to go pick up a new set. And so he had to set up the microphones and hit record and then leave us here (laughs) all alone unattended and so we start recording this very episode this is the this is now the third time by the way (laughs) that we're recording this episode on meekness um so we start recording and i notice that on the recording program on the computer the big screen that we have in my living room it doesn't show that it's picking up any sound on my microphone when I'm talking. Right. And I'm like, that's weird. So then I go over to Kristen's mic and I'm like, well, maybe we can just use the same mic and we'll just talk into this mic over here. So then I walk over to Kristen's mic and then it shows that it's picking up audio on my microphone, but not on hers. Yeah, it was so weird. And I literally asked her if there was a demon. (laughs) And then I came back to my microphone, and it switched again. It showed that there was no audio picking up on my microphone, and it was picking up on hers. And so we thought we would do the most responsible thing, and we shut down the recording, and we just sat here and chatted. (laughs) And then Ryan got back, and we told him our dilemma, and he revealed to us that we were looking at the wrong bar yeah, because we were sitting in the, at the wrong microphones. So yeah. when I was talking, it was picking up. Mm-hmm. It was picking on upper under my microphone because Ash sat. It, was, it looked like it was yes. picking up on your microphone, but it was just because the, <clears throat> what are those called? The bar things? How would you describe this? See, okay. So this is why the channel, Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we just flip. They were flip flopped. They were flip flopped. It was working perfectly the entire time. Yeah. And I have a headache from laughing as hard as I laugh. We both started crying. Cry I laughing. I legit just cry. Not like not tears crying, streaming. but tears no, streaming. No, oh, fully, fully but, cry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this Laugh's is crying. why I would not survive a robot apocalypse. <laughs> Ryan the would. Moral of the story: <laughs> uh, We cannot even make it through a perfectly set up recording session without Ryan physically present to tell us what's happening um yeah pretty funny okay so yeah I think that's kind of like cut and dry yeah I don't think either either scenario sounds fun to me it sounds scary I am a little terrified of artificial intelligence yeah and what that's gonna look like because I feel like it's coming down the pike yeah but yeah I'd rather die in a robot apocalypse, but I think I could survive a zombie apocalypse. Um, head over to our Facebook or our Instagram and weigh in. We want to know what you would what you would do. And our would you rather question for the next episode is going to be: Would you rather only drink water for the rest of your life, or would you rather only eat salad for the rest of your life? Mm. Only drink water, or only eat salad. So go weigh in. Um, and we're going to dive right into our episode now. So, Kristen, this was your episode topic, and I want to know, why did you choose to do meekness? offer this up as mm-hmm. an episode topic? What was what was the heart behind that? Right. So, 
My husband uh, listens to Jordan Peterson, and uh, he sent me this clip that Jordan Peterson talks about meekness. And it just got me thinking about, is this an orthodox view of meekness? And I've heard different um, people that I respect have a different take on meekness, and we'll go over all the different definitions. But I do think it all boils down into um, a, a, a common branch. And then you have these um, different, depending on the contexts, just different ways meekness can be emphasized. Mm -hmm. And so that was my, just kind of my inspiration. And then just how it applies to everyday, just Christian living with just, yeah, with um, in motherhood and in wifehood and just as a Christian woman, uh, what meekness can look like and how that we can apply it in, in our everyday lives. So uh, I want to start off by defining it. Can I ask a question first? Yes. Can we, can you tell me what the Jordan Peterson <clears throat> definition was to right. start with? Yes. And then we can kind of c contrast that with what we've sure. discovered in our own yeah, study. Yeah, yeah. So, so what the, did he say? So uh, Jordan Peterson said that um, meekness is basically having the, um, he summarized it in keeping a sheathed sword. And so I was really thinking about that because I'd never heard that definition before. So, and a, a particularly Jordan Peterson has not bowed the knee to Christ that we know of publicly anyway. And, but he does have a lot of interesting, I'll say that, insight into um, just the historicity of scripture and the Bible and stuff. So I'm cautious when I when he says things about, about the Bible. So I was looking into different, what, what other pastor, what not other, what pastors say, and just historically, how did people take this word to mean? So his, he was basically saying, it's like having a weapon that you don't use. Yes. But yeah. being aware of it and being able to use it and holding back. Yeah. You're holding okay. back. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Exactly. So <clears throat> I looked into other definitions. Whoops, my screen just went blank. There we go. And like I said, meekness can have a variety of definitions depending on the context. All right. So it's kind of like a diamond where, you know, you shed light in a certain way or you turn the light in a certain light and it can portray a different um, element of, of the stone. So one is uh, from Doug Wilson, who we respect. And he, his definition of weakness was not reacting but exhibiting self-control. So common to what, or very um, similar to what Jordan Peterson said, is you're not reacting, you're exhibiting self-control. There's strength there, but there's mm -hmm. virtue in holding back. So he's right? saying when you go through life and things happen, you're not acting hastily. Correct, yeah. Okay. Yep, exactly. And then the more common view is um, of meekness is described as humble and uh, lowly, gentle. Um, all these terms are used interchangeably when describing um, someone who is meek. So, <clears throat> Ash, you had looked up um, the Vines Concordance, the definition there. So can you share that? Yeah, and so this is from um, 
the Greek word that's used in the verse in Matthew 5, 5, where it says, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Um, because there are a lot of different, a lot of different roots mm-hmm. uh, for the word meek in the New Testament. Um, and generally it always goes back to, like you said, uh, the root definition is to be gentle mm-hmm. or lowly. So a lot of the places where scripture reads gentle, it actually could be the word meek. It depends on the um, the translation that you're looking at. But um, the concordance said uh, that it basically means, um, yeah, poor, humble, weak, needy. Uh, they had a really good expo- exposition of this, and it says um, that meekness consists not in a person's outward behavior only, nor yet in his relations to his fellow man, as little in his mere natural disposition. Rather, it is an inwrought grace of the soul, and the exercises of it are first and chiefly towards God. It is that temper of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good, and therefore without disputing or resisting. It is closely linked with the word, oh my goodness, that means humility. I'm not going to say that word because it is... (laughs) Yeah, it's a big has word. about twenty different letters, and I could not <clears throat> could not do that. And follows directly upon it. Um, it is only the humble of heart, which is also meek, and which, as such, does not fight against God and more or less struggle and contend with Him. This meekness, however, being first of all a meekness before God, is also such in the face of men, even of evil men, out of a sense that these with the insults and injuries which they may inflict, are permitted and employed by him for the chastening and purifying of his elect. So it is associated uh, closely with self-control. So um, here in the Vines uh, Concordance, it says that meekness directly relates to us receiving God's providences, God's... um, God's decision mm-hmm. for his us, sovereignty, yeah. his uh, sovereignty over us and everything that he ordains, receiving that in a humble way, um, in a compliant way, mm-hmm. and even, even going so far as receiving injuries and insults from wicked men, um, knowing that they come from God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. Um, so we know that there's a variations of what meekness can mean. Um, but I think the root of all these, as Ash said, is um, just boils down to being self-control um, and not being self-interested. There's a if you if you read later in the Vines Concordance, um, the phrase that uh, that I wanted like focus on how we are applying this practically, um, and the phrase is the common assumption is that when a man is meek. It is because he cannot help himself. Okay, so um, this is important because meekness isn't necessarily mean weakness, right? It's not because a man can't help himself, but um, because the Lord was meek. Okay, so the Christ is described as meek, but Christ is Christ. He's part of the Godhead. Like he can certainly help himself, right? Um because he had the infinite resources of God at his command. Described negatively, meekness is the opposite to self-assertiveness and self-interest. It is the equanimity of the spirit that is neither elated nor downcast, simply because it is not occupied with self at all. 
Um, I think all these definitions tie up to, uh, to the last phrase, sorry, with the last phrase, not occupied with self at all, mm-hmm. which begs the question, what should we be occupied with? We can take several examples in scripture that demonstrate meekness. I talked about Christ already. So Moses and Christ are the two characters that come off, um, you know, right off the top of your head as people who are described as meek or humble. Um, obviously, Moses is imperfect in demonstrating meekness, mm-hmm. um, but neither one of them like sat around and waited for things to happen. These weren't weak men. They weren't not capable, right? Um, Moses pursued pursued the law and called those around him to it. He led a revolt in Egypt and led an exodus of hundreds of thousands of people through meekness. Um, meekness is not passive. It isn't a weak in the sense of lacking ability. Like Christ portrayed weakness, not because he didn't lack ability, but because he um, empowered, embodied self-control. Mm-hmm. You know, he demonstrated his power um, not on the cross, but during the resurrection, right? The cross wasn't the time to display all of his glory. That was his time to, to suffer in humility um, for us. <clears throat> so he took beatings and crucifixion and betrayal. And it wasn't because he couldn't fight back that he was defeated at the cross. Um, that's not where he needed to exercise or wield the sword. The day on the cross was exhibited, like I said, the ultimate self-control. Um, yeah. He sheathed his sword. So this is where I think that we can appropriately apply um, sheathing the sword or um, Doug Wilson's um, definition, which was not reacting but exhibiting self-control. So he kept that sheathed. He kept his power sheathed and exercised love towards the world. His victory in the battle came on the resurrection where he defeated and conquered Satan and death, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, 2 Corinthians 13, 4, for he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. So he was crucified in weakness. Um, I think in order to um, understand meekness further, we need to define a couple of terms that are brought up often in conjunction with meekness, and that is weakness, and that is strength, okay? Mm -hmm. So we see Christ demonstrated his weakness on the cross, not weakness in the sense of, um, and meekness too, um, not weakness in the sense of an inability, uh, like we said, but um, but keeping his power sheathed. Um, Weakness is... Uh, referred to, there's a couple of definitions in the Vine Concordance as a spiritual laxity. Um, Whenever a person typically in scripture is referred to as a weak weak man or a weak-willed in context of uh, their spiritual state, it's usually somebody who spiritually lacks. Uh, Another one is, um, you know, somebody who is an inability to accomplish his own salvation. Like we're weak in that. Right. Um, So those are the two definitions. Um, Let's see. So we also need to define strength too. Uh, And we will tie all this together in the more practical um, application as we like parse this out and stuff. But so we're, we're get we're getting meaty and then we'll come back and apply, Mm -hmm. 
multiply everything, but strength, where does strength come from? Exodus 15 to the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become the salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. Um, another one is um, Ephesians 6.10, which is, Finally, be strong, where? In the Lord, and in strength, and in the strength of his might. So why does understanding strength and weakness matter when it comes to being meek? Because meek isn't the absence of strength. Okay, Christ had strength, power, and a divine nature to annihilate everybody at the cross. So, um, yeah. This was further demonstrated, like I said, by his prayer, not my will, but thine be done. Okay, He submitted his will to the Father. He embraced weakness, our weakness, and, um, and through that, the strength of the Lord was able to be glorified by accomplishing salvation on the cross. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it takes rightly appropriating strength and understanding where your strength comes from and your spiritual position before the Lord. We are weak. Christ kind of um, took on that human nature of weakness in order for the full glory of God to be displayed, right? But we are actually weak. <laughs> we yeah. are we are actually weak. I think there's like a cool dichotomy in when you were when you were saying that Moses and Christ are the two people that we think of as described as meek right. in scripture. I mean, Moses is called the meekest man right. to have ever lived. But Moses was really yeah. a bit cowardly mm -hmm. when he is speaking to the Lord in the burning bush right. and God is telling him what he's going to do. Mm -hmm. And he's coming up with all these excuses as to why he's not capable of obeying. I'm not good at speaking, you know, mm -hmm. like, and then eventually he's like, Please just don't send me. Right. You know, like yeah. after everything send my brother. Failed, yeah. He's like, I will. Who made your mouth? I'm able to make right. you speak. And Moses is like, but can you just, can you just not send me? Um. And so Moses is just this great example of he really, he really was weak, and that, um, he even though he led a revolt, and led God's people out of there, he 100% did it. With God's with the strength, power yeah, behind with his, him, it right, wasn't exactly. his own. He had no mm -hmm. power in himself. He was very, like, uh, very weak in his own human ability. Right, yeah. Yeah, and even uh, even thinking about, you know, his life being pursued, how his mother put him in the basket and just mm -hmm. sent him down the river in total dependence on God. Moses was vulnerable. He was taken into Pharaoh's house like as a mercy and just a crazy miracle yeah. of God. Um, but then Christ, as you're saying, Christ could have annihilated everyone sure. at the cross because he was God, mm -hmm. but that wouldn't have been strength. That right. would have been disobedience. It wouldn't have mm -hmm. accomplished what God sent him right. to accomplish. And so that would have been weakness had he right. Had he done that. Right. It just turns everything on its head. Mm -hmm. So Moses and Christ are like just two very different examples of the same mm -hmm. thing. Right. Like you were saying. Yeah. Where like it all it all comes from this one vein, mm -hmm. but it's displayed in different ways. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to like concisely because there are like 
hour-long sermons, whole books, all that kind of stuff. And so I'm trying to succinctly make all these points because they all are interrelated. Meekness, strength, and weakness are all interrelated. And like I said, they're all different faucets of the same jewel, which I think is like Mm self-control. Like ultimately it boils down Mm -hmm. um, into that. And um, just acknowledging where our strength does come from, uh, you know, to Ash's point, yes, Moses um, did not have the natural ability of speaking like his brother did and felt very inferior, but he still led and was convincing enough to Pharaoh, not on his own, not of his own volition or his own talent or anything, but through the power of God through him. Yeah, the plagues. As as Christ uses, or God uses all throughout scripture, he uses the lowly things to to magnify his name, right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, yeah, so who, moving on to like the more application now that we have like the meaty and the understanding and the definitions to kind of go off of. um, So the application is like, who is called to meekness? Um, everyone, everyone, everyone is called Everybody. to meekness. Everybody is called to meekness. Um, you know, in Titus, it says that we are to, um, approach one another in meekness. <clears throat> Christians have a duty to each other. Um, there are certain people in scripture that have a particular duty to another person. And that's what we're going to hone in on today. Wives have a particular duty to their husbands to act in meekness towards hymns. Towards hymns, towards hymns, towards hymns. My pronouns are hymns. My hymns, hers, hymns, hers, hymns, hers, its. Moms especially need to remember this when they are doling out discipline to their children. Um, fathers are uh, told to not deal with their, not to. Um, exasperate their children. And I think they can do that because they are not harnessing self-control, but they are wielding um, all kinds of things that maybe they need to rein in a little bit more. Yeah. And that comes from a root like desperation. Yes. Where we feel like we need to produce a certain result in our children by our own power. And Mm -hmm. so we're thinking about all of these different approaches and methods and tactics and strategies and how can we make this thing happen instead right. of depending on God? Right. And generally, when we are relying on ourselves, all those things are corrupted. Mm-hmm. You start to strong arm. You start to make your child angry because you're trying to cause them to submit by your power and not by the Spirit of God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We are to discipline our children in the Lord, not of ourselves, not in our own strength but recognizing that we have limitations as parents. Mm -hmm. We just do. We cannot make our children not sin. We cannot change their heart, which is ultimately the root of, you know, why they're sinning in the first place. And so it's just an an acknowledgement of our own weakness and our own limitations and a submission to that and a, a dependency on the Lord to continue that good work in in them, mm-hmm. you know, and trusting that he'll do it. Yeah. So I know my kids are so far, I mean, I don't want to say 100% <clears throat> this is the thing that's going to do it. But when I come to my kids and I say, listen, like, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to mess up. 
I'm trying to follow God's law just like I'm calling you to. Mm-hmm. And both of us are going to sin. There's this softness in them that I don't think would be there if I had just come to them and said, I've got all the answers. Do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. admitting your weakness to your children and how both of you need the Lord and you both need the power of God to change your hearts and you're, you are free to call me out respectfully when I'm not doing that yeah. is a big game changer in the tone. Even when my kids are very angry with something I've said, I'll be like, you don't have to like, you don't have to like my decision. You're not going to like every decision I make. And I could be wrong. You could be right about this. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> you're called to submit and that's for your good. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry that you're upset. <laughs> yeah. But you got to do it. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> so, <clears throat> yeah, moving on to just more into practical is um, just recognizing that meekness is also strength rightly ordered. And to your point, too, there's that strength that, um, yeah, I think I was, you know, just saying that a, a bit ago is um, just recognizing that you actually don't have any strength, that the strength all comes from Christ, and it's weakness recognized. So one of the points that I mean is made is that um, meekness is strength rightly order and weakness recognized. Um, <clears throat> we think, and the world tells us, um, just women in general, is they can be strong and they can be independent and they can even be married and strong and independent and they can even be married and strong and independent and have children. And this is the way that they go, you know, and this is the way you go and do that. And you do that by having a career. You do that by even, like, having a stay-at-home husband. Mm-hmm. Like, that would be the ultimate, you know, like, strong woman, right? Right. And it kind of turns the definition of weakness or weakness, meekness on its head where it's your strength um, glorified, your power glorified, and not your weakness recognized in God's strength um, used to, you know, uh, go about into the world. and. Right. And, you know, discipline your kids and win your husband over. But it's this, you know, um, tug of war between you and your husband for power. And you just have to, like, self-assert. It kind of goes back to the Vine's definition of, you know, it's this, like, self-assertiveness and the self-interested. Um, oh, <laughs> She agrees. Yeah, Daphne, Daphne agrees Speaking with Speaking of self-assertiveness, um, yeah, that you just need to demonstrate where you don't really find that in Scripture for anybody, not just women, but mm-hmm. for anybody. It's all less of you and more of Christ. Right. I mean, God's, God's way is so contrary to human reason, mm-hmm. to the way that we reason in the flesh. And so if we try to define strength by anything other than what God calls us to, which is obedience, that's true strength. Mm -hmm. Obedience, conformity to God's law, conformity to the image of Christ, that's where strength is. And um, if we just trust our gut in the flesh, that's of course what people are going to believe. 
They're going to say women aren't strong by acting like women. Women are strong by acting like men. Yeah. And that's how feminists get all turned around Mm -hmm. and they're contradicting themselves and they're actually stripping women of their womanhood and doing the very thing that they are, are saying they're trying to avoid, which is they're glorifying masculinity over and against women and eradicating femininity from the world altogether mm-hmm. because they're not going off of what God says is the way mm-hmm. to conquer, um, which is God says the last will be first and the first will be last. Right. And that is very much what we're doing here in the home. Mm-hmm. And it is despised by our culture. Right. It yeah, is cause... women are told they're throwing everything away. Mm-hmm. No, they need to be first. They need to wear the pants. They need to be mm-hmm. right. They're making all the decisions for everything and everyone. They need to be like they can. They should. They you should need be to making... get yours. Yeah. That's where strength Enough. is. Yeah, exactly. Is demanding that other people give you what you deserve, that other people serve you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think we were talking about just how backwards it is that you could go on TikTok or go on YouTube and find all these like boss babe, hustle and grind moms <laughs> telling you that you should pour out your entire day, wake up at 5 a.m., spend your entire day on the hustle and on the grind for your career. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, you go, girl. But if yeah. you do that for your family, they're like, how, how could you put that on a woman? Right. She's tired. Right. Like, okay. 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 We can have productivity gurus for your like <clears throat> boss babe MLM mm-hmm. business, um, but not for just serving your family. Right. It's so backwards. Um, yeah. But the way that God, the way that God calls us to live is true strength, and it's strength in weakness. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a paradox. Right. Up is down. Left is right. Yeah. Yeah, but that's no, how God works. Yeah, totally. And we see this paradox applied not just, you know, within a marriage and a husband and wife, but we even see this paradox in, it, I was thinking about it today, even in how we handle people who are like being disciplined, um, just like within a church or like an apostate kind of situation is our natural inclination, which is what I think a lot of parents do towards their children. And we can kind of see this in the church too. Um, is our natural inclination is when we have somebody who is, you know, falling away or becoming apostate or is apostate or whatever, is we want to hold on to them and we want to try and um, strong arm them back into the faith when um, scripture tells us to do the opposite, which is hand them over to Satan so that they may be saved. Like, it's a complete paradox. It doesn't make any sense. And same, you know, same goes with, um, I mentioned fathers not exasperating their children, is you can um, take discipline to the extent of, like, you can just strong arm your children into obeying. You could totally do that. But what you have is not really obedient children from the heart, but you have, like, scared kids who are just afraid to... um, to do anything wrong. Like they are just completely out of their minds, exasperated by the kind of discipline that's being, um, that's being uh, um, like carried out in the home out of desperation. Like you are trying as a parent to use your own strength to change the heart of your child, 
when you need to recognize like you don't actually have that power. Right. You do not have that power to change a heart of stone into a heart of flesh or to like tenderize any kind of of hardness in your child's heart. It is completely from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, exhibiting meekness in discipline means recognizing that you are completely dependent on God to work in your child's heart and to do less of you and more of him, which, yes, it does mean that you um, have godly principles that Mm -hmm. you— uh, lay out before your kids. It does mean that you talk about scripture and do all those things that scripture says um, works on hearts, but you also have to recognize that there is a limit to your control, and that is when you need to demonstrate meekness in in minimizing yourself so Christ can abound. Yeah, absolutely. And that I think we are, are worried as women— um, there's this idea that like women need to have a ministry in order to be impactful mm. in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And we think that means that we need to be, as we like to say, lady pastors to the uh-huh. other women outside of our own household. And it's a little scary to give up on things like that for the sake of um, just living a quiet life. Yeah. Um, working with your hands, minding your own affairs, and um, doing the work that God calls you to in your own house, and trusting that even though we may not see it in our lifetime, God is accomplishing grand things through our these generations that we're creating with our children. Um, If you do not have children, um, the other people that you're pouring into, those little things that people don't see that aren't aren't big, Mm -hmm. that are little blips on the on the radar we've talked about like how afraid we are of dying and being forgotten Mm -hmm. but we are going to be Mm -hmm. and god is still going to accomplish incredible things through our lives but it's not going to be things that are seen it's we have to lean into that and um and realize that the kingdom advances through all of those very mediocre very boring seemingly insignificant things that we do in our day-to-day mm-hmm yeah, no, that's really good. So what? how do you think wives, where do you think wives can go wrong when they don't? Like, what are some examples of not being meek or not demonstrating meekness towards um, a husband? What are some examples? Well, I mean. I kind of put you on the spot. We're, we know that we're called to win our husbands without a word when uh-huh. they're disobedient yeah. to the word. And. We can, we can really go the route of um, slipping into, <sighs> hi, <laughs> um, slipping into a distrust of God to keep us safe mm-hmm. and to provide and to um, bring our family into the place he wants us to be. Hi. All right, it's working. <laughs> Okay, so I want to go to 1 Peter 3, and I know we've read this multiple times in other episodes. Just bear with me here. So it says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. 
For this is how the holy women, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So this kind of relates back to what we talked about in in regards to relying on our own fleshly strength, um, trying to control externals. Uh, it's like this ungodly pragmatism where we try to produce a result in another person without depending on the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that leads to ultimately mm-hmm. tyranny over our children. The same thing can happen when we are fearful um, and distrusting of the Lord and not relying on the Lord in our submitting to our own husbands. So, um Well, yeah, I mean, you think about, um, like, what Abraham asked Sarah to do, Mm -hmm. and that was to pretend that she was his sister, and which I don't think any of our husbands have ever asked us to pretend. And she had to go in before the king and go into his harem and just completely and wholly trust the Lord. And it was a credit to her as righteous, right? Like her faith. And the Lord preserved her and through the, that. Yes. Yeah. Our husbands are called to lead us, mm-hmm. and we're called to submit to him. And that can be scary sometimes because our husbands are sinful. Mm-hmm. They're flawed. They're going to fail. And we are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. We're putting ourselves into the hands of our husbands and uh, trusting them to provide and to protect and to lead. And letting go of control in some way is scary. And so we can fail to be meek in trying to maintain that control in a way that um, tries to eradicate any possibility of our husband ever failing or our husband ever sinning against us, against our children, leading our family in the wrong direction. Um, And when we do that, when we try to eradicate any possibility of him ever misstepping, Mm -hmm. um, we strip him of leadership altogether. We become the leader. There's really no way for that to not happen. Um, There is a way in which we need to be willing to accept both the good and the bad from the hand of the Lord in a meek way and be willing to follow our husband into really tough situations, knowing that they're they're likely going to be tough. There are going to be situations where you, as uh, the counselor and friend to your husband, are going to say, listen, like, this looks this looks pretty sketchy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little worried about the way that you're leading our family, but that's your job right. to lead our family. And even though I feel like we're gonna be on, we're gonna get the short end of the stick here. Um, this isn't gonna turn out well. Here I am. My hand is in your hand, mm-hmm. and if you fall, I'm gonna be there. And I'm not going to rub your face in it. (laughs) And I'm going to be there when you stand up again. And we're going to learn and we're going to grow. And I trust the Lord to sanctify us through this, even though I don't agree. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to really genuinely let you lead. Um, And let you. Yeah, it is kind of a let you, right? Like you have to voluntarily submit yourself. Yeah, because you could usurp his authority. We see it happen all the time in our culture. And like that's what women have done is you know in the in the homes is usurp their husband's authority. So yeah, it is sheathing your sword and trusting the Lord. 
That rhymes. Sheath your sword and trust the Lord. I'm going to get that tattooed on my arm. <laughs> Sheath your sword. Just teasing. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, how much are you really submitting if your husband's always in agreement with you? Right. It's so easy to do that. And, yeah, it's just, this is one of those ways where we... Right. That's why we're admonished to submit to our husbands and everything. Yeah. Is because it gets sticky. You've been married a long time. There are times in your marriage where it just gets sticky, where you're yeah. like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to trust not, I, sometimes you just even have to say, I'm not going to trust you. I'm going to trust the Lord to carry us through this. Right. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Do that. <laughs> and that's another thing is when we, similarly to parenting, when we try to produce something in our husband's hearts. We try to be the Holy Spirit. We try to, our husband isn't leading, so I'm going to leave all of these books around Mm -hmm. with the pages dog-eared and the passages highlighted, or Mm -hmm. I'm going to... And your Bible just happens to be flipped open to, you know, certain passages about loving your wives. I'm going to loudly blare this uh, (laughs) audio book that just happens to be about biblical manhood. I'm not Mm -hmm. a man, but I'm listening to it. Like Mm -hmm. you try to control it in like an, uh, a sneaky way. Mm -hmm. Um, but we try to play the role of the Holy spirit in our husband's lives and, um, try to make him into the man that we feel like he should be. And it leads to all kinds of. Yeah. And ultimately you're doing it not from a place of trust in the Lord, but of a place of fear. And as in, in you know first peter 3 that you just read we're not supposed to do anything in the place of fear right. right we're supposed to do everything in meekness with a gentle and quiet spirit like that is our adornment yeah that's a that's a that's a real strong temptation for women is to act out of mm-hmm. a place of fear right. i think it's like a it's kind of a corruption of a good thing because we are supposed to be wise we're supposed yeah. to be risk averse. We're supposed to be cautious. We're supposed to be, um, prudent. Mm-hmm. That's one of our strengths. That's, that's something that men need us to be in order to balance them out. Mm-hmm. Um, because they are the risk takers. They're the ones that run into battle. Um, but that can also make us so risk averse that, mm-hmm. that we want to fearful everything yeah. out of fear. We don't yeah. ever want to lose. We don't ever want to suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we feel like we can, keep that from ever happening right and we apply that to I see it applied to how we discipline our children um is that we can wield discipline as if there is no justice um apart from our own hand or our own rod and that we have perceived rule over our children and use um, false fruit of obedience as a way to justify our actions, when instead we don't really have obedience, um, we have scared kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I know that I'm tempted in this way with with my kids. And as they're getting older and in teen years and approaching teen years is I want to um, prevent them from, um, from, from sinning. Like, and I want to protect them and I want to control the situation. And yeah, and so we can't depend on our own ability to discipline sin out of our children. Um, we have to rely on the Lord and um, acknowledge our weakness and lean on him for strength and for him to intercede on behalf of our children. 
When so. you say perceived role, what do you mean by that? Perceived role? When you're talking about we have this perceived rule over our children. Oh, perceived rule. Yeah. <clears throat> that we can strong arm our children into obedience. Oh, perceived control kind of. Yes. In that, yes. In that sense. Okay. Because yeah. we know we have authority we over our kids. We do have authority. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, we are... think we can be tempted to think we have the ultimate authority. That if I just spanked hard enough, if I just spanked often enough, if I just you know, whatever your form of discipline is. I'm, I'm just using spanking because that just came to my head. But um, right. if I just yelled loud enough, that will get them to stop sinning. So we have this perceived um, strength or influence over yeah. the heart of our kids. And we really, yes, we need to be faithful to teach our kids in the way of the Lord and to train them for sure. But um we also need to um, recognize our weakness in our inability uh, to um, to have effectual um, to have effectiveness on their hearts because ultimately, like that's the Holy Spirit's job. And to your point, we can't be the Holy Spirit even to our children. Mm-hmm. We can't convict them. We can't change their heart. We can't tender their uh, tenderize their hard heart with um, any amount of discipline or spanking or yelling or anything like that. That is a complete reliance on the Lord to do that. Right. And we do have a duty to hold our children accountable to God's law and sure. to require that they obey. But the way that we require them to obey can still be gentle, right. can still be careful, can still be meek right. and not... <clears throat> reactive, like Doug Wilson said, right. we shouldn't be reacting to our children's sin. We should be right. calm. We should be cool. We should be collected. Right. Um, that sword really always needs to stay sheathed because when we take it out, we kind of swing it around like a madman <laughs> <laughs> trying to yeah. hack. It's like I was thinking about it's kind of like when I try to play a first person shooter game <laughs> and I just. <laughs> I just I just end up pointing the gun yeah. at the ceiling and spinning around because I get so freaked out yeah. by by the action. Yeah. And I can't control any right. and it's it's awful. It and, never goes well. Yeah, There's and, never any control. It's just me shooting at nothing. Yeah, no, totally. And we can even feel justified either with our husbands or with our children or even with other people in saying the things that we say and doing the things that we do or exacting discipline in the way that we um, exact it. But in Titus uh, 3, 2, it says to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. And I think... um, you know, that even extends to our children, but especially to our husbands and the um, just everybody that we encounter is that we're to show meekness towards them. So we don't have this right, even if they're sinful, even if they're in the wrong, even if there um, is just to unsheathe that sword. And you see people do it verbally on Facebook, just um, Karen's out there. This is Karen. This is Karen. This is you. This is for you. Uh, <laughs> out there just wielding everything and not, um, you know, using uh, correction in a meek sense. There's still a way that you can approach your husband. How are you used to approach him with gentleness and meekness? There's a way to discipline your children, um, not harshly, but in meekness. There's a way to correct a sister or a friend correct in meekness. Yeah. 
And God's way, I mean, we talked about this so much, I think, and I feel like in this episode, we've had to re-record this a million times, so hopefully this part made it on there. But God's way of things is so contrary to yeah. what we expect. And we have to be willing to say, okay, what God calls strength, the world calls weakness. Yeah, it's it, What God calls strength is contrary to my fleshly instincts. And the way that God's kingdom advances is through the mundane, is through the seemingly weak, is through everything that people would not expect. Right. The way that the Lord... Hands the over way, dominion isn't by giving everybody a sword and telling them like to annihilate everything on the it on earth, but you inherit the earth through through meekness. Like the meek right. the meek shall inherit the earth. Right. And the way that Christ was glorified was by being humiliated. Right. Being rejected, being spit on, being crucified, the most unjust, mm-hmm. murderous thing that's ever happened to any human. Um, I mean, he suffered he suffered the wrath that we deserve mm-hmm. to purchase a people for himself. And nobody saw it coming. Even his own disciples had no idea what was happening while it was happening. Everyone expected this king to come and to reign and to crush his enemies under his feet. Even the way that he brings his enemies into submission now is through the gospel. It's it's contrary to anything that we would ever expect. Mm -hmm. And we need to be willing to look for that instead of trust our gut. And that allows us to go into really hard circumstances and to do it without fear and to do it in peace and to do it without reacting and to do it in a way that should shock everyone yeah. <laughs> because it's it's not what, what we would do if we were shooting from the hip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up everything that I wanted to address about meekness and I hope it all makes sense and... Uh, you can see how we can apply it to our everyday lives uh, as Christian women, um, as wives, and as moms. So with that, go love God, go love your husbands, go love your kids.